This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. They don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player for a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like Now... To your hosts. All right, Red Sox beat CLNS Media here. Of course, on Twitter at Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook is Red Sox beat podcast. Don't forget to go find CLNS on Twitter at CLNS Media. Facebook is CLNS Media as well. Don't forget the iOS and Android app. It's free. It's podcasting. You can listen to all the shows here on the CLNS Network, so don't forget to check that out as well. Um, rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Share the word. It's summer, where the Red Sox are officially the only sport going on in Boston now, Lauren, and it's weird. I'm not sure if I'm 100% ready for it, but that being said, the Red Sox did kick off their inaugural first week as the only team going on in the city with a pretty good week. Yeah, it was a very good week, and I like that it's strictly baseball now, so everyone can focus on the Red Sox, but my focus is always on the Red Sox, so nothing really <laughs> changes for me here. But no, it was a great, positive week. Uh, shout out to Jess, who's obviously not on this week, but he predicted the the week right at 5-1, and one, so that was good. Brian Johnson was good, which I know we'll talk about, and just overall, just a very good week. Yeah, it was nice. Um, Jess is back to his rightful ways of predicting things maybe he just needs to keep being positive but we talked about that last week we kind of all were being super role reversals all year and we switched it but you know i'm actually happy that the red Sox are back in the limelight because you know i think this team needs to be in the spotlight because there's so much going on that people aren't really they're not getting crap for you know like john farrell should be on the hot seat but he's kind of but not really uh david price is back pablo sandoval is coming back so it's right around the time where this team needs a little bit of criticism and this team needs to be under the spotlight because with the Celtics going on, Lauren, they didn't get any crap because no one cared because the Celtics were pushing deep into the playoffs. They were The future of the team was bright, blah, blah, blah. But now the Red Sox are, are the team again that's going on and are, and are pushing forward here. So now there's going to be a little more pressure on this team to kind of produce the way we all expected. There are going to be some people, Lauren, who come back from this you know Celtics green haze and say, oh, wait, why aren't the Red Sox in first place? I thought they were supposed to be good. Yeah, it's definitely going to bring the Red Sox into the spotlight a little more, you know, and, and now that it's it's almost June, so it's kind of getting into that pace where the All-Star break's right around the corner and people are really going to start paying attention to what the Red Sox are doing with who they have, who they don't have, and who's coming back. And like you said, they're going to come out of this little green haze and kind of figure out what's going on, why aren't the Red Sox in first place, whereas Pablo Sandoval, why did Brian Johnson throw a complete game kind of thing, like... Yeah. It's it's all going to come full circle for everyone. So, 
this week, you know, the Red Sox were obviously um, went five and one this week. Obviously, minus today's loss against um, against the White Sox. But that being said, you know, had a five game winning streak going, Lauren, and the bit. And I'm not going to do the recap. Jess isn't here. I'm not even going to try. Not even worth my time. Not going to get as detailed as he does. So we'll just not do the recap. But what I want to do with you, Lauren, this week is you know just kind of simply broaden it up a little bit. You know, with a five and one week. There obviously was a more good than bad, and the theme this week for me that I take out of this week was the offense. You know, um, in all your wins, you scored it was only one game you scored less than six runs in all the games you won this week, and that was when you won three nothing um, on Friday. Besides that, every game you scored over six runs. One game you had eleven. One game you had nine. This offense seemed to pretty pretty well kind of gel this week and kind of hit when you needed to. Everyone kind of got some decent run support, and, and the the offense was a big reason why they had that five-game win streak. Yeah, it, the offense looked really good, and I was there um, on Tuesday. Of course, of course I was. When they, <laughs> well, shocker. When they won 11-6, to and just the whole atmosphere seemed so much different than any other game I'd been to, maybe with the exception of Chris Sale's debut. But the, I heard people you know around me, and the, all they were talking about was the offense and how they seemed to be clicking and how it just whatever they were doing that night just seemed to work. And like I said, just the atmosphere around that game itself was was so much fun. And it's always fun when you score 11 runs anyway, especially against a team that's not terrible. And that's, you know, the Texas Rangers obviously aren't they're not you know a fantastic team, but it's always good to go in there and score 20 runs in the first two games against them. So. The offense played a huge role this week, and it was just—it was nice to see the bats click when they needed to the most. Yeah, and, and I think that that's something that we've talked about over and over again. It's the, for, I mean, at least for me, I, you know, this team has been pretty inconsistent across all three phases of what baseball has to offer. And for once, you notice during the five-game streak is. You know, things started to tend to click. I know you gave up six runs one game, but, you know, the offense figured it out when the bullpen wasn't great. Or, um, you know, you, you got the timely hitting when it was a close game here and there, and then you, you were able to finally break those games open when before you weren't. And then, you know, towards the end of that winning streak on Friday and Saturday, you didn't score as many runs. You know, you won 3 nothing on Friday, but, you know, you're able, you were able to win that game, and that's huge. And then you win 6 nothing behind the arm of Brian Johnson on Saturday. And, like, you know, before earlier in the year leading up to this this kind of situation was you weren't able to, you know, you know they probably wouldn't have won Friday's game because they only scored three runs. They probably would have lost, what, 5-3, 4-3, whatever it would have been um, because the pitching would have, wouldn't have been there for them when the offense wasn't there. Because the rest of the week, the offense was there. That's a game where the pitching actually stepped up when the offense wasn't there, and that's the kind of cohesion that we've been missing, Lauren, because they haven't been able to win the games when one phase wasn't working, the other one stepped up. It's been one phase has been working, and the other one sucked all week or the other way around. Yeah, and we talked about this last week, how it seemed to be starting pitching was good, but the offense wasn't there. Or the bullpen was good, but you know the starting pitching wasn't perfect. And it's like, oh, the offense is all there but the pitching sucked. So it's, it was nice to see kind of everything work together and work right. And then, like you said, they wouldn't have won that game three, nothing because they scored three runs. Like you said, they would have lost about four, three, five, three, just because that's how this season has gone for this team. So overall, just very positive week. I know that now they've lost two in a row on Monday night. So 
it's not discouraging by any means, but definitely not a good way to start the week because I don't like when the, the team loses. But when you take a look back at the last week and then the week before and kind of just like the season they've had, and they haven't won four games in a row since the beginning of April. So that was a huge takeaway from this week. Yeah, so before we – I want to get kind of dive deeper into this week. Um Lauren, I want you to name an MVP for me this week, and then we'll kind of dive into the deepers of Brian Johnson because we have to talk about Brian Johnson. One, because you're on the show, and two, because of what he did. And then David Price always made his start today. There's some Pedroia news we want to get to. So a lot going on, plus there's some kind of uh, very aggressive fighting going on in the league, finally, and I want to talk about it. But this week, there are some options for MVP, and like I said, I didn't want to make the recap too lengthy this week because Jess isn't here, but... Who would you say, and I don't and don't say Brian Johnson, um, <laughs> who would be your MVP this week um, for for a lot of good candidates, obviously, considering they won five games? Yeah, I mean, of course I want to give it to Brian Johnson, but I'm not going to base it off that. Um, besides Brian gonna... Johnson, because everyone could, you could make a case why it would obviously be him. So besides oh, Brian absolutely. Johnson. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it to Jackie Bradley Jr. this week because Love it. I know we've had our fair share of kind of crapping on the guy and not really being the defensive hitter that he is um, or offensive hitter that he is. But just to see him make those two amazing catches throughout the week, kind of robbing extra base hits and just kind of see that gold glove feel to him out in that, out in the outfield was just a breath of fresh air. And he got some home runs, he got some hits and getting on base and just being the player that, I know he's a streaky player, but when he goes on the good streaks, that I, that's the kind of player I want to see more of than you know strikeout after strikeout or ground ball after ground ball out. So I'm going to give it to JBJ this week. I think I think he deserves it. I think he's kind of getting into a groove here. So I'm I'm going to go with him. Yeah, no, I, I like the choice. You could have gone obviously other options as well. Uh, Mookie Betts has been having a good season so far, and, and obviously Brian Johnson. So. Uh, I don't obviously hate Jackie Bradley pick, especially considering he did play a lot better this week, seeing we've been bashing him pretty much all year just because his bat has been awful. But um, that being said, 5-1 week. Jess picked it right. Good for you, Jess. Um, let's talk about Brian Johnson because I know you want to. It's, it's been all that people have been talking about since Saturday. Uh, the Red Sox win 6 nothing. Um I mentioned it to Lauren before we came on recording-wise. You know, I was watching this game here and there. I was in a family cookout like most of you probably were this weekend. And um, here and there, I didn't watch the whole start. I watched the majority of it. But, you know, here and there, I popped away, had a brewski or two, had a burger. You know, you pop away from the TV from a time or two at a cookout. And even I kept coming back going, wait, you're still in the game? Why is Brian Johnson still in the game? How many pitches does he have? They haven't scored yet? Like, I expected the wheels to fall off at some point, and they just never did. And that's something that is huge, especially one, because mentally Brian Johnson hasn't been all there. He had the anxiety issues, and clearly he's healthy with that situation. But, you know, he's had he's pitched up here before and hasn't had the best start. So when I come back to the TV in the eighth inning and he's still pitching and, and making strikeouts and, and he's dominant in that time being, you know, it, it was it was a pretty big deal for who Brian Johnson, but it was also nice for the Red Sox to get some rest of that bullpen too. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, going beyond... Brian Johnson's anxiety issues. You know, he, he had the whole fiasco. He was robbed at gunpoint uh, down in Florida. He had, he's been hit in the head a few times, and he could never really find his groove with the major leagues. I know he's very good in AAA most of the time, and, you know, it's frustrating when it can't translate up to the majors. But I read, you know, I've read article after article on this guy since his start and just how 
this day kind of seemed improbable, like it would never come for him. And just to see him go out there and throw the game of his life, essentially, was just such a feel-good moment. And obviously, I'm a huge Brian Johnson fan. I've been behind him since, like, day one. I just absolutely love this guy. So it was a huge moment and, like, happy moment for me. And to see him be able to do this, nobody's done this since Pedro Martinez throwing a shutout in their Fenway debut. So that, that's kind of cool. His dad was there to see it. And he got that double Powerade bath or Gatorade bath, whatever they drink in that dugout. And <laughs> it was just such a fun moment. And, and not only, like, I don't really think people understand how just how dominant his start was. He had 109 pitches through the nine innings. More than 75% of his pitches were strikes. I think it was 85 or 86 strikes total. And, you know, just, you know, his backstory, just everything about that was just perfect. And it's gave the bullpens a much needed rest and just everything about it. Like I could go on and on about Brian Johnson for the (laughs) whole show, but I was just, I was so happy to see this. And it was just so fitting that I had the recap of that game. So it was, it was just perfect. Everything about it was perfect. I would say two, like two things. One, Hanley definitely meant to get Garen Austin with that Gatorade bath. Hands he down. did, and I'm so happy about that. It was 100%. Like, you, you could tell he was aiming for it, and hands down. No questions asked, which is great. Um, but two, you know, you, you said, what, 75 of his pitches were strikes or whatever it was. You know, you noticed the control was there, right? Because that's where, like Henry Owens, he's come up and been a little wild and not been able to go late innings because he's been missing the plate and had to throw more pitches. And it seemed to me he had his curveball under play there. Um, you had the control to hit to paint the outside corners, got some punch out strikes, um, and then because of that control, guys were chasing the ones that were out of the zone. So he was a lot more effective in and out. His in and out game was a lot more effective. Uh, he just seemed more confident, and you know, he might have been back option back to AAA today, which he was. But when, no one's surprised by that because he was but determined to be a spot starter. But he's going to get another shot because one, I don't think you know, I don't know if David Price is going to last. Um, Pomerantz, who knows what's going to go on with him. Because if Pomerantz, I know he pitched okay the other day, but if he keeps on his track, I'd rather you give Brian Johnson another start than give it to Pomerantz. Like, sit Pomerantz, give him the buckhole fake DL treatment, and see what Brian Johnson can do for another game. Because right now, Lauren, with David Price, you know, your starting five's pretty set, and Brian Johnson's obviously down in AAA looking out from the outside looking in. But, you know, he's going to have to get another shot at some point the way he pitched. It's just a matter of when, I think because of the control he had and like the demeanor he had. It was awesome that his parents were there in the stands. At least his dad was. And, you know, this guy has to have another shot at some point because of what he did for this team. When the offense wasn't there for, like, it wasn't there for the whole game. Eventually they got some runs once they got a comfortable lead. But, you know, he had to grind through some innings and got a little bit of help behind him with some good defense. But overall, he, he shined, and his control was a big reason for it. Oh, absolutely. His control was just absolutely on point. And, Going back to what you said about him getting another start, I think it's, you know, it's not if, it's a matter of when. And I don't think that whether it's Price, Pomeranz, whether it's, you know, Rodriguez, what if he gets hurt and, you know, anything can happen. It's like it's it's baseball. It's a long season. But I do think he's going to get another start. It sucks that he had to get optioned right after he threw the game of his life. But seriously, but we all saw it coming because we knew Price was coming back today on Monday. And, you know, he is the odd man out. And I don't want to put too much stock into him, even though I love the guy, because it was one start. And now, whether when it, whenever he makes his next start, the expectations are going to be high, rightfully so, because he just went out there and just hurled the best game. So it was nice. And right after the game, I saw on Twitter, it was this 
I forget like verbatim what it said, but it was like millions of dollars worth of pictures. And this guy throws the game of his life and it's a picture of Brian Johnson. And I'm like, that just sums it up perfectly right there, you know, with the exception of Chris Sale. Yeah. And that, that's been like the luck of this team so far, right? You know, Chris Sale off set aside, like you said, because of what he's done, you have all this money thrown in your starting pitching and the guy who's had anxiety issues, um, been robbed, all this stuff is the guy who comes in and throws like a complete game, shut out, whatever it was. And and now you're relying on that, and now he's going back to AAA to hang out with the kids of the world, and hopefully, you know, I mean, I think at some point, Lauren, you have to think he gets another start only because how shaky this rotation has been. Now, I don't see Porcello, Price, or Sale ever not getting a start unless they're hurt. That being said, you don't know how Price is going to hold up, right? You you don't know. He got one start today, and we'll talk about this in a second, but, you know, he looked okay, but he might not hold up. Uh, Pomeranz, who knows? Erod typically gets hurt. He's looked phenomenal this year, but you know he's wanting to have the injury bug as well. So overall, my best guess, Lauren, injury is what puts him back on the mound at some point this year. Yeah, I think uh, I think it has to be unless somebody just absolutely craps the bed and just forgets <laughs> how to pitch. So, but I do think it'll be injury. I I mean I think you know Price is so unpredictable, but I do think he looked pretty decent today and I think he's he's durable you know I think he's a very durable pitcher he was 31 years old he's been on DL once or twice in his career so I mean I don't I don't want to say it's going to be injury but I mean that's usually how it happens and like I said unless somebody just kind of crops the bed and just doesn't know what they're doing anymore but it's only a matter of time before he's back up Brian Johnson's back up here with the club yeah, and I, I think that you know he'll keep working down there. I think he, I think that's a huge boost of confidence for him moving forward. Of okay, I went up there and did it. Now let's keep working on my mechanics down here and just be ready for when he when they get that call. And who knows? Maybe at this, maybe at the deadline, Lauren, maybe he is an option to be traded and he gets an opportunity somewhere else, which I wouldn't be mad about because you know maybe I I don't know if they'd be doing. I don't know. The thing is, though, Dombrowski will trade anybody. So you know, I look at this start as a a, a big potential chip for Dombrowski as well. Because we've seen him not afraid to trade anybody, and he would be the guy to trade his starting rotation depth for bullpen help, which I wouldn't hate if that was where he wanted to go. But, you know, maybe Brian Johnson is hoping he gets traded at the deadline based off that performance and stats, maybe if he goes back to the Myers and pitches well. Because it doesn't seem like he's going to get a really consistent shot here anytime soon in a Red Sox uniform. Yeah, I mean, I, you nailed it when you said Dombrowski's not afraid to trade anybody. And, you know, we don't have too much of a farm system right now because we traded everybody else away so to have somebody positive like brian johnson i think what he is good trade bait and you know a lot a lot can happen between now and the trade deadline so who knows how johnson's gonna be who knows how this team's gonna be or bullpen anything so but i do think he is great trade bait which i hate saying but i want to see this guy succeed i do think he's a major league pitcher um but i do think at the end of the day, whether it's with Boston or, you know, AAA, he's he's the odd man out. And that's because our rotation is so stacked. It's We've invested a lot of money into these guys. So somebody like Brian Johnson is automatically going to get that, you know, kick to the door and just kind of, you know, sorry, kid, back to the minors for you. <laughs> and, you know, and he's still young. He's not old by any means. So he still has, you know, a lot of years ahead of him. And I still think he can succeed very well in the majors you'll buy a brian johnson jersey wherever he cracks the majors oh absolutely i will i will buy four jerseys oh that's aggressive you need four jerseys <laughs> yep 
all all versions of like if it's the, if it's the Cubs, you'll buy the Cubs alternative jersey. You buy the home. The, you'll, you'll buy you totally would too. Um, the throwback, the practice jerseys, the, the throwback, the spring training batting jerseys, everything. You you'll buy literally every form of Brian Johnson gear you possibly can. Um, Eighteen. <laughs> look, Brian Johnson obviously showed us a lot on sat on the Saturday, and maybe you know that's really two options. It's it's like we're talking about. It's maybe he gets another chance here, um, but I think the more likely scenario, and more I think about it, is you know. He keeps pitching well. Maybe he gets one more start, and then he gets dealt with the deadline, and hopefully maybe he gets a chance somewhere else to help a team rebuild. He's not, like you said, Lauren, he's not old. So he could be someone's part of someone's rotation moving forward to build for the future while the Red Sox get some assets in return. I know they're interested in some of uh, Pittsburgh starters, Kansas City. There's a lot of pitchers out there the Red Sox are interested in. So, you know, Brian Johnson could be that pitching that goes back in a deal, which wouldn't surprise me. Um, first part of the show and, of course, the Brian Johnson segment powered by Lauren, but of course powered by SeatGeek as well. Uh, the SeatGeek ticketing app, the smartest and easiest way to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Get a $20 rebate on your first purchase by downloading the free SeatGeek app to your phone. Uh, Lauren's used it. She's gone to like six Red Sox games. All you got to do is go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter the code Garden Report. All one word. You'll get your $20 rebate. And so SeatGeek, of course, will know who sent you. Of course, our friends here at SeatGeek. It's easy, twenty bucks of savings, right, Lauren? I mean, you know, you go to all these games, you got to save money somehow. Yep, and it's great. It's it's super easy to use. They're my go-to, and I just, like I said, I've been to six, seven games this year, and it, they've all been right there with me. So that rebate's really come in handy. Yeah, seriously, you got to save money. You got to keep going to the games. Um, so yeah, shout out to our friends at SeatGeek, of course. Now we wouldn't be on a Red Sox show. We wouldn't be Red Sox speed if we didn't bring up David Price. Because I feel like no matter what it is, we talk about David Price. But, Lauren, we actually could talk about David Price, who actually pitched in a major league game, which is great. Because a lot of people probably thought, you know, myself included, why are you bringing him back this soon, right? They, they announced before the weekend, I think it was, that, that he even was coming back after the horrible, horrible two starts he had in AAA um, with Pawtucket. I didn't think he got out of the fourth inning for either of those starts. And... I think he allowed, I don't know the number off the top of my head, Lauren, but he allowed close to like, what, seven or eight runs combined for the two starts, something like that. Um, it was bad, and there was no sense of control. All we heard was, you know, he feels healthy. It's not a great product, but, you know, he feels fine, which was a good first step. But we all thought, probably should have one more start because you got rocked in AAA. But the more I thought about it, Lauren, and I think that's kind of proven right by how he pitched today, the more I think... He, one, dictated the move that he wasn't pitching another game in AAA. He was coming back when they told him to, but he wasn't going back down there. And, two, I think he just mentally didn't want to be down there. You know, he got heckled down there a lot. That dude sitting behind the plate with the shirt was phenomenal. Um, and he told the media he talked to them and then just bolted out in the Batmobile of David Price from AAA and from McCoy Stadium and didn't talk to the media. This guy is a mental case, and he did not want to be in AAA. He made sure it happened, and, you know, part of the success – I think he had today was he wasn't pitching in triple A. He just didn't want to be down there. Yeah. And I think it kind of shows, I mean, I don't like that. He stormed out on the media and this and that, whatever. I, I don't agree with that at all. Like just talk to the media, answer the questions. But I, I like for the most part, what I saw today, I like the, you know, he had the control. He got himself out of some innings and he just didn't look, you know, nervous. He looked ready to be on the mound. And I do think, you know, I know you said he's a, he's a mental case, and I do think a lot of that is, you know, he's he knows 
how he has to pitch. And I, you know, he's been staying off Twitter. He hasn't been complaining on Twitter or being sad on Twitter, which is nice because I don't, that's not what I want to see because then you just know it's mentally getting to him. Then I think last season he really saw like just how hard it is to pitch here. It's a, it's a huge market and he should know he's pitched in big league markets and big name markets. And Boston is completely different from anywhere else, but just for him to go out there and I know he had a pitch count of 90. I think he threw just under 90, but he gave them, you know, five good innings and he just, his, his control, his command and his velocity was, was good. And it was encouraging because elbow injuries are always scary. I hate any, anytime somebody says their elbow discomfort or anything. So I think it was definitely encouraging. And I think it was, a step in the right direction for him because he needs he if he went out there and got absolutely rocked it would have been hell and we'd be a totally different tone on the show right now but but no one would have been surprised though if that happened because exactly. of what happened in triple a so i think you know with his start today expectations weren't high but they were but they weren't low by any means but it was like oh if he's gonna get rocked he's gonna get rocked but i didn't expect him to go out there and throw, you know, seven shutout innings, but it was nice to see the five innings and just to see him look confident and poised on the mound. That's what I was really paying attention to today. Yeah, and I honestly didn't watch much of this game only because I was golfing because it's Memorial Day. I do that every year. But that being said, from the highlights and what I saw and what Lauren was telling, talking to you guys about here, you know, he had control and he's not the reason why the Red Sox lost this game. You know, he was in line for a win today, Lauren. Like, if the Red Sox didn't blow this game, he would have gotten a win. So, he didn't pitch as horribly as we thought, especially considering what he did. You know, then, of course, the bullpen came in, and um, who was it, Matt Barnes, who coughed it up? Yep, sure was. Matt Barnes coughed it up, shocker. Uh, um, So, they were up 4-3, lost 5-4. And, you know, it's, it's a tough situation. Pedroia leaves early in this game, first inning. We'll talk about that in a minute as well, but um, Pedroia leaving hurt this team and the bullpen was what hurt this team david price was not the reason why he lost this game so any fans out there saying you know oh this is the re oh david price lost the game well they lost and he pitched his first game no i'm actually going to support the guy in this situation it could have been a lot worse his control was okay for what i saw and he wasn't the reason why the red sox lost this game because he was in line for a win the offense helped him out a little bit they were up 4-3. Matt Barnes in and came choke. Joe Kelly even pitched well in this game. Like When Joe Kelly got through that inning clean, I thought, great, Red Sox are going to win this game. And then, of course, Matt Barnes comes in and coughs it up. Matt Barnes is the reason why this team needs, needs to get Carson Smith back ASAP. ASAP. Yep. And, and it's, it's great. Like, you know, Joe Kelly, he, you know he's feeling good when he's throwing 100, 102 miles an hour constantly. Love it. And, so when I saw that, I was like, yeah, this is going to be good. The Red Sox are going to win. And then Barnes just, he wasn't good from the start. And it's so frustrating because, like you said, David Price was in line for the win. It was going to be a huge confidence boost for this guy. And he just had to go and blow it. Yeah, it's awful. And so I don't, I don't know when Carson Smith comes back. I, they kept claiming June. I haven't heard anything. I haven't seen anything. Nothing crazy in the news. Um, but overall, David Price looked great today. His, his curveball was pretty good for what I saw. And just the command was there. The confidence seemed to be there. And I think for a first start, Lauren, I can't think we can complain with what we got, especially seeing what we saw in Pawtucket, those other two starts. No, and like you said, there's no room for us to complain. Of course we want better, we want more, but this is a good step in the right direction. He's just going to keep building his strengths. And 
hopefully he just builds off this start and goes into his next one in the same kind of positive mindset. And it was good for him to pitch this well on the road too against Chicago. I think if he was at home, it would have been different, but I think it was good to get that out of the way and he's on the road and it wasn't a loss. And I think that's the biggest thing that people need to take is that it wasn't a loss. And like you said earlier, he's not the reason this game that the, that the team lost this game because he pitched well. He pitched pretty decent. So yep. it was the bullpen who cost us another game. So nobody can go out there and say that he pitched like crap and it's not or that it's his fault because in no way is it. It's like just watch the highlights. You'll see Matt Barnes just absolutely puke all over himself. <laughs> and you watch the I mean, not you watch. You look at the number of pitches he threw. He threw 88 pitches today in five innings. If he, he probably was on an innings restriction. He probably was on a pitch total restriction because of his first major league 90, start. 90 pitch. Uh, that, that's what um, I thought. Yeah, so if it wasn't on a limit, if this is a second, third start in the bigs, he probably goes six or seven innings, you know, and that's what you ask for. So because it was his first start, three earned runs over five innings, and he probably would have kept going if he wasn't on this friction, right? He wasn't going to come out. If he wasn't on a 90-pitch limit, he would have gone at least six, if not seven, the way he was throwing the ball. I thought he was going to go out for for the sixth because it took a while for Joe Kelly to start warming up in the bullpen and – you know, Farrell and um, Davis both both went over to Price, but he looked as if he was going to start the next inning, and then Joe Kelly started warming up, so I was like, oh, okay. I was like, just took took a long time to get somebody warmed up in the bullpen. So, but They were probably having a conversation about it. They probably weren't sure. Oh, I'm sure they were, but it was. I'm glad that they stuck to the pitch count, and I'm glad. I think, you know, I think right now you do need to limit him because you don't want to overwork that elbow, especially – you no, know, he's a power thrower, and he's never been on the DL, you know, more than once or twice. So they need to be cautious. They need to bring him back, and I think having that pitch count is going to – I think it's going to help him in the long run too because he's got to get that control and that oh, yeah. that kind of – just get everything all together. So I think it was the right thing to do. Now they need to get Chris Sale win in Chicago. Um, yes. <laughs> because it's his return to Chicago, and literally the White Sox are not that good. So Chris Sale, you should win the game with Chris Hale on the mound in Chicago. But um, that being said, this game, we talked about it quickly. You know, David Price was not the downfall, but part of it was Dustin Pedroia leaving in the first inning. Um, he's getting an MRI in Boston on Tuesday. Lauren, I didn't see it. I don't know if they showed replays plays in, on the game, but, you know, it, it doesn't sound like it's that good of news. Um, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but overall, it could be a, a damper on what was going to be, a, you know, a nice little story here with the Red Sox kind of winning some games and getting players back, and then now you lose a guy like Pedroia, potentially for a while, depending on what the MRI shows on Tuesday. Yeah, and it what's really discouraging is that he's coming back to Boston for the MRI. So, you know, especially if Pedroia is somebody who plays the game like he does, you know it's it's not good. But, you know, like I said, I watched the game today, they showed it over and over. It's just an awkward collision. He kind of just, like, fell over Abreu. And it was just, he broke the fall with his wrists. So he came out of the game. Well, he was called out at first. So they took him out, and he went down the tunnel. Then he came back out for the next inning, and then he was gone. So he obviously felt well enough to go back out there, but then it, he came back and must have just been like, nope, can't do this. So, you know, it's, they're calling it a, a wrist sprain right now. So... It's so up in the air until you get that MRI. They, obviously, it shows so much more, but this could be a big hit, especially, you know, they had Josh Rutledge in there today. Pablo's still not back from the DL, so it could just be a big cluster mess in, in the infield if this could be 
something more serious than just, you know, a sprain. He'll be back in three days. Yeah, and you don't even have Brock Holt because now he's shut down for basically forever um, because he was showing the vertigo symptoms again. So Brock Holt probably, honestly, I don't even think Brock Holt will play again this year because of what's going on, which obviously that's, that's a life situation, so you take care of that first. But overall, when I heard wrist sprain but Tuesday MRI back in Boston – He's not. He's not leaving Boston. Like he. He. This isn't going to be good. I just have that that gut feeling. You know, like whenever we hear, like you said, Lauren, whenever you hear going back to Boston for an MRI, oh, that means you can't do it on the road. Uh oh, that's not good. Like I have to go back right. to Boston to get it done. That's not good. Because, and I totally understand. They they have their doctors and they have their people who they're comfortable with, but it's still not a good feeling. No, because if you felt like it was something that you could just get done quickly, and make double check, and he could be on the field in a couple of days, he wouldn't be coming all the way home to go all the way back to Chicago. Or, right. all of, or just come all the way home and go back to Baltimore. He'd stay with the team and get it done with the team because the doctors have pretty good resources nowadays on the road. Um, team doctors, like a lot of facilities have certain machines in the place. If not, local hospitals will take care of them real quick. But if it's something like where they don't trust anybody else but their home doctors to do it and they're flying him back to Boston, he's not playing against Baltimore. He's going to be out for a couple weeks, if not more. I'm, I'm preparing for the worst with Pedroia because it didn't look good when I saw the replay when you're breaking a fall like that with your wrist, and if they're right away saying sprained wrist, honestly, a sprained wrist alone is probably a couple weeks just to make sure it's 100%. Never mind what it probably will be after the MRI. Yeah, and sometimes they say, you know, sprains can be worse than breaks, but you don't know how it's going to heal, how long it's going to take. At least with, like, broken bones, you can cast it up and be like, oh, six weeks, you're done. Then you can come back. So they have to be careful with how they approach this, um, especially if it is just a sprain. You know, he's already got you know, knee problems from when Machado spiked him. So he's just, Pedroia is not having a really good season right now, just injury wise. So obviously you, you hope it's nothing. You hope it's just a sprain. He's day to day or put him on the 10 day DL or some things, but you know, we don't have a lot of depth right there. Like you said, holds out for the foreseeable future. You know, Hernandez had the season ending surgery. So we're very limited in that infield. And I don't want to be putting players where they don't belong. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. That, that, that actually just piqued my next question to you because I just thought of that, and you kind of just teased it a little bit. So, so there you go. Um, would you, do you think the Red Sox, because of the way he's playing defense, would let Marrero play second base? Yeah, I think, I think they would. And it kind of just stems from they don't have a lot of options right now. And, you know, they, I know they have, you know, everyone's talking about as soon as Pedroia went down, everyone's like, oh, here comes Devers, like, blah, 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 like, all right, calm down. Like, let's let's get this guy developed a little more. And yeah, you don't have to rush it because you have Marrero. You have these guys. Sandoval's still here. Like, he's just he's working his way back. So right. So everyone's you know jumping to conclusions, but I do think yeah, I do think they'll go with Marrero. I don't think there's really anyone else, and you know, there's not like I said, there's not a lot of depth in in this infield. Yeah, no, and there isn't. And if Pedroia goes down, then you know I'd rather Marrero play second base than consistently in the Rutledge. Like, obviously switch them out, but I'd rather Marrero be your guy. Because of the way he can play defense, if you can play defense like that at third base, you can play defense at second base. And look, and you don't even know you don't want. I don't want Marrero to go back and forth because what if Sandoval sucks when he comes back? Like you know, he, apparently I, I read something today. Apparently he's 100 percent healthy wise Sandoval, but they just want him to get more swings, get more reps at the plate, and just kind of figure it out a little bit more before he comes back. So apparently he's 100 percent playing in Pawtucket, which means he sucks because he's hitting like 184 in AAA. So, I know part of that's mental. He doesn't want to be in AAA, but he, I think he understands he has to work hard to get back to where he is playing, especially because Marrero's playing so well at their base. That being said, he's going to come back at some point. So, 
I don't want Marrero to, you know, go back to AAA when Pedroia potentially is out and Holt's gone probably for the close of the year. Now, if Sandoval's hurt, now you really got you need to have Marrero there as insurance. Um, and, and I can't imagine why you wouldn't move him to second base in the, in the meantime. Yeah, no, I that's what I envision them doing. And I'm sure, you know, they're weighing out all their options. And I'm, obviously there's not going to be any sort of update until, you know, tomorrow pregame, until they know what's going on with Pedroia and, you know, seeing what seeing how close Sandoval is to returning. I've been hearing, you know, he can join the team in Baltimore. I'm hearing the beginning of June, which is the Baltimore series anyway. But it's just a lot of question marks right now after after, after a really solid week now. There's some question marks floating around. Yeah, but I think after this week, you're a little more optimistic. It's just a matter of now, see what this team can do leading to the deadline. And as long as you're in it, Dombrowski's going to make a move. As long as you're somewhat in the series, in, in the division still and have the rotation coming back. Because if this rotation can stay consistent, then you don't have, you can go get bullpen help and that's it. Because I think as long as your defense is okay and the, the rotation's okay, your bullpen's the big problem right now going into June and going into, you know, the dog days of summer, which we're fastly approaching because the Stanley Cup finals are here, NBA finals are here. After that, it's it. It's just baseball. So as those as those nice, hot, summer, warm days approach, the bullpen's a problem. And that and that's where you're going to win and lose games. You saw it today against Chicago. You had a game. You had a win for David Price locked up, and then Matt Barnes comes in and throws it all away. Uh, it wasn't even Joe Kelly this time. It was Matt Barnes. So... That's where this team needs to get fixed, but the Pedroia news does not help this team by any means. Um, one thing that does help th- this team is Craig Kimbrell, and he keeps going and going and going. And this guy, I wish this team was doing better because I want to see more and more Craig Kimbrell. This guy came in and struck four guys on one inning, an inning that wasn't even a save. Like, he just came in to get work, and he had to strike out four guys because the um, just the scenario of the inning. Is that the... F- there was some weird stat. I don't know it off the top of my head, Lauren. I think something. It was like the first time it happened in a while. or I don't know what it was. But it's a weird situation that Kimbrell, Kimbrell was in. But he did get four strikeouts in one inning, which does help all you guys out there playing DraftKings or FanDuel or whatever because it's an extra point. But it, it obviously sucks for him to have to throw more pitches. But, you know, for an inning that he was coming in just to get work because he hasn't pitched in a while, pretty solid outing for him. Yeah, it definitely was. And it you know, it's just it's so nice every time this guy comes on the mound. I know last season before he went on the DL, he'd come in and we got to kind of would get that nervous feeling like, great, here we go again. He's going to blow the save. And now he comes in. And I think I said this last week or the week before. It's kind of like that Jonathan Papelbon feeling, you know, when the music comes on and you just see him come out. He's just so focused and that death stare and the arm. It's just it. it's so much so much fun watching him and just watching him succeed and be the pitcher that we wanted him to be last year and he's just he's so good in that that whole four strikeout call it was a complete botch call in the umpires it was horrible like absolutely absolutely terrible and i don't i'm not i've watched it a hundred times and uh <laughs> like the the batter swung and it it hit hit him off the foot or something and but the umpire called it a wild pitch, I think is what it was. I, I, I don't know. It was, it was wild and it was weird. So, but I mean, four strikeouts in an inning, I'll, I'll take it for Kimbrel because that just adds to his strikeout count. And it's just, he only needed 19 pitches to get those four strikeouts. So in, in that game, they had 20 strikeouts altogether. So without those, 
four strikeouts, they wouldn't have broken or tying the tying the record for yep. batter struck out in a game. So overall, it was weird but very good. Now I, I have a broader question for you, and I'm curious to see how you answer this because you know Kimbrel's been really good, but that that game, you know, he had he came in because he hadn't been used in a while, so. My concern is the bullpen. Obviously, we talk about this every week because there's something to talk about with the bullpen every week. Is Kimbrell good enough now, and, and can he be good enough at least through the deadline to make this, keep this bullpen afloat and win you games until Dombrowski potentially can get you help? Uh, yeah, and I think he's kind of been been doing that. He's you know he's been in big situations. They they put him in the other night just to get work, and they have a lot of trust in him, which is good. You know, he's your closer. And I think a lot of that pressure will be taken off of him, you know, when we get Smith back and Thornburg and kind of build this bullpen up to to what we thought it would be in the off season when we're like this bullpen's scary good. They're they're gonna be unhittable and here we go. Like Matt Barnes is in and we're like, Great, here he goes. Joe Kelly is so spotty and but I do think the trust in Kimberl is through the roof, obviously, and he's just on fire he should save after save strikeout after strikeout there's just there's so much this guy is doing and I kind of think it kind of gets brushed under the rug just because you know there's so much more to talk about on this team struggling offense David Price Paulo Sandoval there's just so much where there is a lot of pressure on Kimbrell to pitch well but I think he he's probably not even thinking about it because he's Craig Kimbrell and just because there's so much else going on in this team where it's not not really being talked about. No, it's not being talked about. I think he's right now. Craig Kimbrell was really just getting up there, throwing, and that's it. And I, I think obviously he'd be getting a little more crap if he wasn't pitching well, like, aka last year. But I, I think overall, he's just kind of you know whenever he gets the ball, he's coming in, he's throwing gas, and that's it. And he's flying under the radar for how well he's pitching because of the coals that this team has, like you said, Lauren. You know the bullpen's an issue besides him. The rotation's been meh. The offense has been inconsistent. But, you know, as big-name players like Price come back, Sandoval come back, the team starts to kind of fly into its own again, he's still flying under the radar because of the fact that he's been so well and everything else. And, you know, Boston media, Boston fans, we all flock at the negative for the most part. I know you two don't, but I do, and most people do. You know, you want to flock at something to talk about, and a lot of people flock to, oh, David Price on Twitter, David Price's elbow, AAA, Pablo Sandoval, all the negative to everything you can think of. No one ever goes after Kimbrough for being really good because everyone in this town expects it. So when he's pitching like this, it's still David Price is back. Let's see if he can suck. Or Pablo's still hitting one something in AAA, and it's not. You know, Craig Kimbrough's been pitching really well this year. Yeah, that's an understatement. He's, <laughs> he's, I mean, miles and miles away from what we thought or what he was last year. And you know, he, I think, kind of last year was you know his quote unquote tryout year and. No, now he knows you know, he's really got a feel for Boston and what it is to pitch in a market like this. And he's just gone above and beyond expectations this season. And he's so much fun to watch. Just the intensity and just I love the emotion. Whenever he strikes somebody out, whenever he ends the game, it's he's just so much fun to watch. Yeah, and you know a lot of people thought, oh, he's washed up. He's not going to be able to do what he ever did before. Blah blah blah. But it's. You know, last year I think he had some issues. He had I, I don't even know if he was 100% healthy last year. But this year, you know, he seems confident. He's, he's painting those corners, and he's a big anchor of the bullpen for a bullpen that's been struggling mightily. And, you know, you talk about with the additions that you have to make, potentially get another arm, 
Carson Smith coming back might as well be an acquisition at the deadline because of when he comes back, and that's gonna that's gonna be a nice boost. I don't think you're gonna see Thornburg this year, unfortunately, but even if you can just get Carson Smith back and then add another arm at the deadline for not a crazy amount of prospects, Dombrowski, please and thank you. Um, you know, it, it it could be something where he's still the anchor, but now he doesn't have to rely on him as much for success because of the fact that now Matt Barnes won't have to pitch in the eighth inning. Maybe he pitches in the sixth inning. Uh, if, depending on when you who you get and when you want to put them in the bullpen. So I, I think overall that's what's going to help you. I, I just think that Kimbrell right now is the success of what you're doing. And in the bullpen, he's really the only kind of positive I see out there. Yeah, and you know, like you said, getting Smith back, it's, it's going to take a lot of that pressure off Kimbrell, whether he feels the pressure or not. But, you know, you need that you need that like backup for him because he can't bail you out of every game. And, you know, I, I know we've put him in Kimberlin in the eighth every now and then, but we can't rely on him to keep doing that. And just to have that extra arm, like you said, putting Barnes in the sixth and not, not the eighth when, when the game is within reach, it's just, you need that, that extra, that extra arm, that extra like boost of confidence really for this bullpen, especially for this bullpen. Like they need they need help. Like send help. Yeah, and you know at this point help might as well be a giant SOS sign on the beach over by the Charles River or something. Like they they need help in the bullpen. They need to send out the flares. They need to send out. They're they're abandoned on an island right now in this bullpen, except for Craig Kimbrell, who has the schematics to the raft to get off the island, and no one's listening to him. That that might as well be what this is right now. He's the only one that makes sense. He's the only one that knows what he's doing, and um, I, I think overall. They're gonna be they're gonna be a, a tough team to compete with if they can get some bullpen help um, and on the rise that they're going on and they're getting closer to first place. You know the Yankees are still there, which is weird, but you know it's gonna be a race all the way through and, and the Red Sox are gonna have to stay consistent through the process. So a lot of Red Sox stuff going on. There is a couple of things we want to touch on around the league before we get to our predictions and get out of here for the week. Number one, one the best thing that happened to baseball this week: Bryce Harper, Hunter Strickland, eighth inning. Uh, Giants, Nationals, Bryce Harper charges the mound, th- tries to tries keyword tries to throw his batting, batting helmet at Hunter Strickland on the mound, misses by like fifty feet. I don't I don't know where he was throwing that helmet. If you haven't seen the video, um, we'll, we'll send it out. Go look it up if you haven't already. Harper charges the mound, basically winds up, and you know he's trying to throw the batting helmet at this guy. He's trying to throw the helmet, and he whips it. And it goes like a basically a hard forty five degrees to to his right instead of straight. I don't know how he missed that badly. I don't. I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But how do you wind up like that and not even come close to hitting the guy? I I don't know. I've watched this clip. I must have watched this clip a hundred times over. Oh, I'm same here. Yep. It's it's there's so much entertainment in it between the the helmet going in a complete opposite direction. I don't know if it slipped out of his hands or if he was trying to like distract Strickland or whatever, but. Between that and then Harper's hair just flying everywhere, like he's got some serious flow on that head. Even in a and fight, even in a fight, charging the mound, his hair is still flawless. It's everywhere, and I was just like, I'm watching, I'm watching the brawl. I'm like, all I can see is his hair just like bouncing back and forth, and then got me thinking, like, what if Andrew Benintendi got into a fight? Like his hair would just be glorious all over the place, but oh, it'd be bouncing like, heavenly. What I what I didn't really realize is that this whole grudge goes back to 2014 so three years strickland's had this thing against harper and harper being a punk when he hit a solo shot in the uh nlds 
and it was just a monster shot, but it was only, he, I guess it was the whole how he acted, and, you know, he watched the ball leave the park. And the unwritten rules crap. Yeah, yeah, it was that crap. Yeah. And it was just, you know, it's Harper being Harper. He's a punk, and I could go on about how I don't like him as a, as a person just because of that kind of stuff, but it was, I love seeing benches clear in baseball. It's just intensity you don't see every day, and I know people say baseball's boring, blah, 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 so just to see this and you know, to see it, 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 it was just so much fun. I love when the bench is clear. And I uh, I don't know if you saw, they showed it from a different angle when all the Giants came out. Madison Bumgarner just kind of like backed off and kind of walked away like, no, nah, I'm, not, I'm not getting in on that. But I know because he's on the DL, if he went on the field, he would have been suspended. Yep. And he probably just would have ripped his arm off anyway. But <laughs> yeah, maybe, just... maybe, he had, maybe he had the dirt. Maybe he went back to get a dirt bike. It comes just flying out on the dirt bike. That'd be oh, one way. God. That'd be one way to get to, to get suspended on the DL. Yeah. Come flying sure on the would. dirt bike up the dugout steps, and here we go. I'm ready to roll, guys. Don't mess with me. It just runs over Harper. <laughs> oh, jeez. His hair would still look flawless, though, if he got run over by a dirt bike. It would. And I was, I was just amazed. And there was this. They had this one still frame of him of Harper being held back, and he's just kind of got this look in his eye, like. He's going to run back after him. And it, I'm looking at this guy's hair. I was like, he just, you know, he was just in a brawl. And <laughs> I know it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a full on, you know, like MMA brawl. But I'm like, his hair is just perfect. Like, what does he use? I, I need to know what he does to his hair to get it so like flawless and just perfect. Seriously. And here's the deal. This fighting thing is so good for baseball. Like, I miss the days, and I, I say it every time fighting comes up. You know, when the Don Zimmer toss by Pedro, like all the, those those things, I miss those days. And now it's like, like you, you said, you know, this thing that goes back to the ALDS and the, and the punk that Bryce Harper is for that solo home run watching it go. That is so good for baseball. I miss guys like Manny Ramirez consistently around the league. I miss people, you know, being punks. I want the Jose Bautista bat flip to live in infinity. Like, it, it, they all deserve, like, their own platform for how they act. And then baseball fans nowadays, the league itself, you know, they, they, they wish negative upon that kind of stuff. And it's like, no, this is what makes your league popular. I understand no one condones, like, getting people brains punched out and things like that. But, you know, a heated brawl like this in the eighth inning of a game in May is good for baseball. Um, Bryce Harper, you know, feuds matter. Bat flips are good for baseball. I say it all the time. I, and you see all these things where all... Shouldn't have done a bat flip on a homer. No, let let people do bat flips. Let people fight. It's good for the game. This is why people need to watch. This game is dying. I will say that wholeheartedly because I mean it. As much as I love the game, there's baseball fans out there like Lauren and I who are obsessed with the game. But it's not the game it once was. Not everyone sits down on their couches to watch nine innings anymore because no one has the time to do that. Ba- baseball games are the longest games Basketball's two hours, football's two hours, hockey's two hours. Well, football's like three hours. But I say, what, what, what football game are you watching? That's two. I'm hours. watching like halftime. Um, <laughs> no, but like football's like three and a half, four hours, but it's once a week, so people are willing to make a day out of it, right? It's football Sunday, whereas baseball's every day of the week, and it's four hours every time you want to watch a baseball game. So you got to make it exciting, and this is stuff that makes baseball exciting. You have to have people you don't like, and Bryce Harper. You have to have people you do like. Um, and you have to have people like around the league that are willing to do stuff like this, and you don't have that as much anymore. So when I saw this happen in May, I was so happy. Yeah, it makes it it does make it fun, and I absolutely love the bat flips, and like I love I love that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm it, don't be a punk, whatever. Like that just it 
irks me to like maybe it's just Bryce Harper, I don't know, but I love the bat flips and I love I love benches clearing. I love that because it adds the excitement to it and you don't see it often, especially early in the season. So I was expecting it with the Red Sox and the Orioles in the last series, but that obviously that didn't happen. But it's like you said, it's good for the game. And it's, you know, I know people are like, oh, fighting, blah, blah, blah. Like, they can get mad about it, whatever. Let's say whatever you want, but it is it is good for the game because it adds that excitement. It makes for great highlights the next morning, and it gives people something to talk about. It's not just like, oh, did you watch the game last night? Yeah, this is what happened. It's, did you see what happened last night with Harper and Strickland? And, you know, you know what's going to be on? It's going to be on Sports Center. It's going to be on Nesson and CSN out here. So it's they're, it's going to be talked about, which is which is exciting because you know I, I love baseball. I'll sit down every night for four hours and watch nine. Oh yeah, same here. So it's but it's nice to see that that added excitement and animosity, and it makes makes it good for if these two teams meet in the playoffs or whenever these two teams meet again. It just it makes for good baseball. Yep. Uh, one thing that doesn't make for good baseball is Mike Trout going on the disabled list. Um, it'll be the first time in his career with a torn ligament in his thumb, may need surgery. He's probably going to be out for a while with this. Now, the Angels are terrible, so it's not a loss for them. Like they're, Maybe they'll lose even more games and get a higher draft pick, whatever it may be. But it's bad for baseball because Mike Trout, unfortunately, is the reigning MVP. I'm like, shouldn't really deserve it because Mookie Betts was better that, for his team last year. We're not going to go into that, though. Um, Mike Trout going on the DL for the first time in his career is very unfortunate because you know, Lauren, we all know he's a great, we all, great player. He's one of the best in the league. And really coming into his own and never going to the DL, not everyone really understands how good he is because he's on the West Coast. So no one really gets to watch him on a regular basis except for people who are out there. And this guy, obviously we know he's a stud, but people don't really appreciate him as much as people should. And going on the disabled list might change that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a hit for the Angels because... You know, Trout already is, awful. <laughs> it, yeah, you know, and Trout is such a good player, and I, you know, I do, th- I do think, you know, Betts got robbed last year of MVP, and I mean, this could be good for for Betts right now if he wants to make an MVP case. But you never want to see a player go down to injury, especially you know, the thumb is so tricky. I've I've broken my thumb before, and even it's just it's it sucks because you don't realize how much you need it until you injure it, and. It's like I said, it's a big hit for this team and it's a big hit for baseball because I really do enjoy watching him play and, you know, we don't get to see him play much, as you said. So I think losing him is a bigger impact than people see it as, especially to the Angels, because, you know, that guy can just hit and the way he plays. He's just he's an all around really good player and I really respect him and I really like this guy. So it sucks because anytime you lose a big name player, it, it sucks. But for for Mike Trout, you know, he's fun to watch. He's the reigning MVP. It's just a big loss all around. Um, and obviously, it's tough. And us as baseball fans know the, know the value of Mike Trout. And people around the league will understand once you don't see as many highlights and, and things like that of Mike Trout because he really is, is a tremendous, tremendous baseball player. Um, one more thing around the league before we get to our predictions. And this one's interesting to me, and I'm, I'm intrigued to see what Lauren thinks about this. The Brandon McCarthy, McCarthy situation, um, he was upset about the Memorial Day hat, saying he, they're using fallen soldiers as a sales pitch. Now, as a guy in sales, I understand the value of, of, of being able to sell as much as possible, right? You want to make money for everything as much as you possibly can, and you sell however you can figure it out. But does he have a point, Lauren? You know what? I 
I'm very torn on this because it's they do the hats for you know Veterans Day. They have pink for Mother's Day. Um, they have Fourth of July hats. You know they do it as you know it's all marketing. I, I totally get it, and I know Memorial Day. Obviously, it's how we honor our our fallen veterans and the people who gave that ultimate sacrifice. I never really saw it as a sales pitch until. I saw the tweet from McCarthy. I was like, oh, my God, I never really thought of it that way because I like I like I see it as them kind of honoring them. But of course, they're going to make money off of it. It's a business. But like I said, I never really saw it as that. And I totally see why he can see it like that or why other people see it like that. But I see it as them kind of like honoring the veterans. Yeah, I do, too. Like, I, I understand why why he would think it this way. And he does have a point. Don't get me wrong, because. You know, the whole league, you know, they, they were all wear these hats. The hats were putrid, by the way. Hated the way they did the hats. Um, but the fact is, you know, they're there for a reason. They're doing these hats. They do it for other holidays as well. Now, if they only did it for Memorial Day, then I'd see his point. Because, you know, it's they'd be using something that they don't do for the rest of the year. But, you know, they're, it's marketing. It's it's the league paying their dues to what Memorial Day means. It's the, you know, like the, you said, the 4th of July, Celebrate America um, you have all the, all across the you know from Mother's Day you have the pink bats and things like that. So it's not an isolated incident with the league. If it was, I'd totally be on Brandon McCarthy's side. But and I understand where he's coming from. But I partially think he just didn't want to wear the hat because it was it was hideous. I like the hats. I really liked how they you did liked, that. They were puke green. I liked it. I, Those were I, horrible. I, I will buy a snapback in them. Like you, I that they're hideous. Them. The jerseys were sweet. I liked how they did the jerseys because they were subtle. They still look pretty cool. It didn't need to be all green. Those hats were horrible. I like the socks that some of the players were rocking too. The socks are sweet because like they blended in with like the kind of beige paint. Like I liked everything else about the uniforms. The hats were awful. I like the hats a lot. I really no, did. I really course, liked them this year. Of course year. you did. Well, Brandon McCarthy's on my side. He didn't like the hats. <laughs> I wonder if he liked the style of the hat. Like, I wonder if he complains about the style, or literally is it just because he felt like they were a sales pitch? And, like, that's a weird stand to have as a player, because, like, you're you're a sales pitch as a player. <laughs> like, you play in the league, and your team pays you a lot of money, but they also market you like crap. Like, a lot. So They do. You're, you're personally a sales pitch for the league. So I'm intrigued to see what, why, why in the world he would, why he thinks this. But um, either way, I thought I was intrigued. I was intrigued when I saw that. I was like, wait. Did he really say that about a memorial? Of all things, like it's not like they were celebrating Arbor Day and put on green hats to sell that. Like they they were selling Memorial Day. Yeah, and it's I mean like I know that each holiday, you know, Fourth of July, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, that they all have different meanings, but mm-hmm. they all they still all do different uniforms or different hats for those days, and it's just their way of, you know, like I said, honoring whatever holiday that is in their own their own way, and. You know, if Brandon McCarthy didn't like the hats, at least he didn't cut them up like Chris Sale did with the uniforms last year. So, Oh, God, I missed that. I want that <laughs> back in my life. <sighs> Could you imagine if Chris Sale cut up all the green hats? Oh, that would have been amazing. <sighs> what, oh, what a world of awesomeness that would have been this week on the show. Um, all right, so end of the show. Uh, before we get out of here, we'll do some predictions here. Uh, last week, Jess was right. I mean, I'm happy he was right because he predicted it was 5-1. and one. But that being said, this week um, you have three against the White Sox. You have four against Baltimore, all on the road. Now, we made these predictions, I swear, before 
the White Sox played the Red Sox and lost and, and beat the Red Sox on Monday. So, Lauren, what do you have the White Sox and the Red Sox series looking like? Um, I have them winning two out of three from from the White Sox. Um, I was this was the game Monday's game with David Price was the game I was really iffy about um, with them taking the win, but with Sale pitching tomorrow, I think he's really going to go out and with a lot more animo- animosity intensity because you know he's going back to Chicago for the first time. So yep. I think there's going to be a a lot of good in Chris Sale for Tuesday, and I I don't really see them losing more than two more than more than a game from from the White Sox no I, honestly I was torn with this um I think the pro like I'm in the same boat I think price was the toss-up game for me whether you're gonna win or not and I almost gave them a sweep but I didn't they, I, I think they'll still win two out of three though I think they'll win the rest of the series which is good because they're gonna need the wins they can get <laughs> because they are playing four against Baltimore who are right there with them fighting to go after the Yankees for first place in this division Baltimore and the Yankees I'm pretty sure they have Combined like four or five wins against them total this year between both Yankees and the and the Orioles, so they're they're not playing well this year against the Orioles. Mind you, they've played a lot better since the last time they've played either one of those teams. So it could be a different series. Uh, that being said, I still have them splitting with Baltimore. Four game series are really tough um, to really win because of the, the the situation that a four game series presents. It's going to be a fun series. I hope something happens because I'm just like that person. I want the animosity i want that intensity i want a fight to break out i hope it does that's why i'm really hoping pejoria plays but i know he probably won't um either way i have them splitting with baltimore four and three week for me hope to god it's better than that but four and three week um i'm going a little bit better than a four and three week i think they're gonna take three out of four from baltimore i know they're on the road and i know that they may be without pejoria but kind of baltimore's been struggling lately they're just kind of falling off the grid, which I'm loving. And with this, you know, they kind of have that rivalry going. I, who knows if it'll be, if anything will happen during these four games. I would hope, I mean, I would love to see, you know, benches clear and punches thrown and everything. But at the same time, I kind of just want that to be over. Just, I don't want to hear Machado open his mouth again and go on some rant, just some child, childlike rant from him. And I just think... The Red Sox are going to go into this series, regardless of what happens in Chicago, with just a mindset that they need to win. They It's going to be June, so they need to really start getting their act together. And now's a perfect time to take advantage of a Baltimore team that's that's struggling. Yeah, no, Baltimore has obviously fallen back, and I think it's time for the Red Sox to pounce on the Orioles. Mookie Betts expect him to have a big series because he always does in Baltimore. Um, he plays very well in Baltimore, so expect him to play well there. I would love for them to go five and two. They need to go five and two this week because of obviously losing the first game and Pedroia not probably playing the whole week. They need to kind of pad as many wins as possible as they're getting healthy here. And I would love it. I don't see it happening, but either way, Jess um, not here this week. No predictions. Lauren five and two for the week. I'm predicting a four and three week. So Jess can't be right, but he also can't be wrong. So either way, I'm going to throw it in his face that he's not right. But we'll see. Maybe he made it, he didn't make a prediction on, on the paper here for us today. So uh, we'll have to ask him what he thinks. But that being said, a lot got in the books this week, Lauren. A lot to talk about. We got a whole segment on Brian Johnson. Who knew? Who knew that was coming? Um, I was but, so happy. <laughs> when I watched the game, I'm like, oh, Lauren's going to be happy. We're going to have to do a whole segment on Brian Johnson. She's going to be very excited. Um, but that being said, that is the end of the show. Red Sox beat here on CLNS Media. 
Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. We're obviously on demand. Stitcher, iTunes, don't forget to rate and review and subscribe to us on CLNS. Don't forget to follow at CLNS Media on Twitter, Facebook, the free mobile app as well where you can listen to all of CLNS's podcasts, not just our show. Don't forget about our good friends at ZipRecruiter and, of course, um, our good friends at Audible as well. Also, SeatGeek, don't forget the $20 rebate Excuse me for uh, the Garden Report as well. We'll be back next week. Hopefully all three of us. We'll see. Who knows? But that week, hopefully Red Sox get some more wins this week. Until then, for Lauren Campbell, I am Jared Scally. This has been Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Media. We'll be back next week. <laughs>